Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. Today we are talking about, uh, I can't even believe we're talking about this, to be honest with you. No. It's wild. But um, so February 11th is our one year podcast anniversary. That is just insane. It's wild. So a year ago, uh, February 11th, we dropped our very first episode called Finding My Voice. Okay dropped our very first episode. oh my god right like we're like podcasters <laughs> as if we even had that language a year ago no we definitely didn't we were like oh my goodness literally two fools Babies. doing a podcast yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> um so we wanted to do an episode though kind of highlighting our last the last year of what this has been like and how it started and where we've come and all the different things um and yeah, just how we literally have become podcasters over the course of a year. I know I changed my mind on that. <laughs> um, so first of all, though, I want to talk quickly about anniversaries because there's um, the reason that we I mean, we want to make a big deal of the one year anniversary of the podcast just because like, wow, it's been a year and, you know where we've come and where we're at now and just the dichotomy between those two things is really pretty wild over a year seems like a long time and also like oh my goodness like so much has happened in just a year I think anyone who listens to the podcast from the beginning to now can hear a very significant change yeah absolutely I mean yeah I can hear it you can hear it I think mm -hmm. everybody kind of has said that you know um but I also want to talk before we get into the yay of that and the you know podcast app aspect of that I want to talk about anniversaries um and just what that means for me and also I think for a lot of trauma survivors like I don't think that I'm alone in this um space of of having certain anniversaries be really difficult and really triggering yes absolutely yeah absolutely um so in my specific experience um, anniversaries were used in the ritual abuse aspect. So there were certain dates and holidays that ritual abuse would occur every year. Um, my birthday is one of them. Uh, the holiday seasons like Christmas, New Year's um, are some others. The date that my grandfather passed away, uh, my father's birthday. And then there's, you know, there's just dates like sprinkled throughout the year that um, created these yearly things of ritual abuse and maybe I don't know Lori can you talk about what we're talking about when we talk about ritual abuse because it's hard for me to articulate <laughs> um so ritual abuse refers to abuse of any kind but often particularly sexual abuse that occurs within the context of 
okay, not just a sex act, which uh, just a sex act, that's not even a term, but maybe we'll cut that. But it, ritual abuse occurs in the context of where abuse happens for the purpose of um, a routinized emotional response that is sought by the offender that is entangled with some tradition that they have created or is entangled with a publicly understood tradition. Right. So many of the events that you're talking about are things that other people also recognize as a date on a calendar that means something. But ritual abuse is where the offenders now take that tradition and co-opt it for their own purposes. Right. So these things, these, you know, rituals would happen every year. Um, And the dates, the level of abuse that occurred on these dates um, is so high and literally like imprinted and like burned it into the fabric of me. (laughs) So um, let me just say, I don't think that people can fully understand what we're talking about here. And we're not going to describe in detail because frankly, it's your personal experience and you shouldn't have to do that. But I understand that it is hard for people to even get their head around what we could possibly be talking about here. So I'm just going to say that it is, please people understand that we're not talking about something that anyone could consider remotely benign. We're talking about physically wounding, terrifying, overwhelming, experiences that the offenders found to be enjoyable Mm -hmm. it's disgusting it's horrendous and um, happened over and over and over again and therefore these dates on a calendar are not just dates on a calendar for you they aren't and they part of the terrible thing is that they took things that should have been really nice happy experiences birthdays holidays and turn them into something that you now have to try to keep those boxes closed with every inch of your being so that you can be present in the here and now and enjoy those things. Yeah. And the dates come regardless of whether I want to think about it or not. So like, I guess here's an example that I'll give is my birthday, right? So I, most people enjoy their birthday. They celebrate their birthday. For me, I was told that I was born for these things. And so the offenders, my father, you know, whoever was paying that year um, celebrated my birthday or marked my birthday with you were born for these things. And so the entire, you know, day or days around it were made up of these things because I was born for these things. So my birthday is not, it's very hard to now live in my adult life and be, you know, 35 and my kids make birthday cards for me. And I'm, you know, every year I really do try to, to be, um, to separate the things. Yeah. To separate it out and to be like, this is now my life after that. And that's not going to happen again. And I can, you know, but the date's going to come no matter how I think about it. And so it's, it's just, it's going to be triggering. That's just the way that it is. I think the rest of it is also that, There are so many yeah, and you're just getting through one and then boom, there's another. Yeah. Yeah. We were literally just talking about this in the calendar and how like, it's not like five, it's, it's a hundred, you know what I mean? Like there's like, there's so many throughout the year that are just, you know, some obviously more um, powerful than others just because they're also dates like Christmas or my, you know, whatever that other people are also 
making it a, a known thing and highlighting for the world at large. Um, but then there's, yeah, these dates just kind of sprinkled in through the year that are just, I'm maybe the only one besides the offenders who know about them and they just, they hit differently, you know? Um, so anniversaries in general, the idea of anniversaries is very triggering for me, but as kind of part of the process of undoing that for me personally, and also just, you know, again, I think all trauma survivors have this to a certain degree, right? That if someone was sexually assaulted, the date that that happened to them, they, I'm sure for the rest of forever is always going to just feel a different kind of way. Hopefully there's healing there and hopefully that it's not overwhelming and painful like it might be in the first few years. But, you know, I think it's always going to feel a different kind of way. Well, and it should because it is a an enormous event that marks, for really most survivors, a turning point in their life um, where as they heal and they progress, the the grief that they feel for the self that they left behind that was the whole of themselves before the event they have to deal with. And then they also deserve to celebrate who they have become as they have drawn out of the ugliness of what someone wanted to do to them into something that is powerful and healed. Right. So it should be important. Right. So that is why we're making a big deal of our one year podcast anniversary because plus because we're podcasters. We're podcasters now. <laughs> um but okay. yeah. Can we just comment that it took us like 20 minutes to figure out how to get our new setup <laughs> Plug working? In our stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So we're cool now. We're no longer having a microphone propped on a pillow because Are we though? Well, like Well, not really because it took us 20 minutes how to work our system. <laughs> help. Oh, Send help. Yes. <laughs> not really. We're good. <laughs> um no, but yeah, it's like a big deal, right? It's a good anniversary. It's we're making new ones. We're kind of healing the fact that this is how it has always felt. And so like, this is going to be a good one. This is one that, that is, you know, for the rest of forever, we will remember February 11th, but it'll be in like an exciting way and like the best light possible. Cause you guys, you know, we're, you're stuck with us podcasting now forever. So. <laughs> sorry, um, not sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Exactly. So I guess where have we been this past year, there's a lot of highs, Ooh. a lot of lows. We've learned a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, when I think about before the podcast, you were completely convinced that there was no chance that you would ever have power and voice. Yeah. That had been burned into your brain in some very overwhelming ways. And so there, we started the podcast. It, yes, was an act of desperation, but it also really was like, I don't know, we're going to do this and maybe five people will listen, but <laughs> at least I'm going to... I'm going to go down this road. Yeah. No. Yeah. There was no, uh, I didn't even know what people close to me would think because my experience had always been, uh, bad. <laughs> Anytime I tried to tell my story or shared, even when I tried to share the public version of the story of, you know, my one uncle one time these, you know, whatever that, that public version that my, the narrative that my parents kind of, put out there for the world to kind of cover what was actually going on. Um, even when I would talk about that, it wasn't usually received well. It wasn't right. received You were told well. it, you're too much. Right. I mean, I was literally told at the chapel youth group by Jeff Hackett that 
that I was dramatic and to st- to not have that in my testimony. Nobody wants to hear right? that. Nobody he wants said. to hear that. That's just making people upset. Um, I was talking about this with Christiana actually that it, you know, it's it's that kind of stuff that almost it it solidified the narrative, right? It was like this is should be a safe space. And I'm going to tell the story and I have put it in the past and I have put it in a box and I am doing it really cleanly and neatly and I'm still being met with. Don't talk about that. So, I mean, it really just like solidified like, yeah, there is no I'm never going to receive a good response from telling my story, much less the whole story. I mean, good Lord, you know, they can even handle the baby version of it. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, there was that just absolute fear um but it was also like you said born out of desperation right threats were coming um so let's just be clear about that because i know sometimes people get confused and they think that the threats are the result of the podcast yeah they are not they are not the threats were coming and the danger was real and the podcast was born out of an attempt to get it to stop yep um and we had we had literally tried we've said this a million times we tried more private ways we went to the chapel for support for help they completely failed um we we did try we went through law enforcement we've we've done all we had exhausted everything we could privately and so it you know again that january 2nd david drake stood up on stage said how thankful he was to be in um community with my parents who are known you know he knew were he knew the story. He knew that they had sex trafficked me and he still stood up there and said that, um, emboldening them to do whatever they want because clearly nobody believed it. Right. And kept his job and nobody seemed to have a reaction to that. That was appropriate to the enormity of what he had done. Right. Right. So it literally was born out of desperation. It was that was the catalyst. That was the the straw that broke the camel's back. That was just I cannot believe that we went through all of this. We told the whole story. We made, you know, we we showed all the corroboration. We showed how it hung together. We we told the story and he still gets to do that. Um and so for a while we actually we joked for about a month about starting a podcast. I remember you had COVID and it was remember? You had COVID. Did I? Yeah. And I was literally like. Oh, it was. That was at Christmas time. That was before I had COVID at okay. Christmas. Yeah. And I remember being like, we should start a podcast. And you're like, yeah, we should start a podcast. I feel like we had sort of danced around it for a year before. Yeah. It was a while. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't. Right. It was a joke, though. But we were at that. You're right. Thinking about that. We had been. Because we were in conversations with your brother and the chapel, you know, we were trying to and still even before Dave Drake stood up there and said what he said, we were feeling very frustrated and like their response was not helpful or appropriate. Mm -mm. So we were already dancing around the question of the podcast and Dave Drake's comments were the that was it. Yeah. Like, let's do it. We're actually going to do this. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Yep. Um. But yeah, so we started with one microphone. Well, we bought two, but we didn't know how to use two. <laughs> and an iPad. Like legitimately like like microphone propped on the pillow. We're sharing a microphone. It pl- It's like plugged into an iPad. That's literally what we started with. Mm-hmm. Um, we were super nervous. We, we, we didn't want to get sued, <laughs> um, which is what a lot of people were telling us was going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was that desperation. It was like we, yeah, we don't want to get sued, but we also have to do something, right? Like we, this cannot just continue the way that it is. It's not safe. It's not good. Like this isn't a life that can be lived, you know, constantly safety planning and constantly um, having them be able to do this, having them be able to threaten me and my family and my life and my safety and all the things. Like it was just, it, it had a, something had to give. And for me, I, I also was very clear that not on my watch. Like I was not going to be a person who sat here and didn't do something when you clearly had every right and the need to use your voice and be heard. Like, no, people have asked me, how far will you go? All the way. Like, I don't understand the question all the way. This is why I love you (laughs) all the way. (laughs) Let's go. Um, (laughs) we ride at dawn. Um, but yeah, we were nervous though. Like we were, like sure about what we were doing I think yeah we were sure that we needed to do it but yeah oh my goodness but didn't wow. know how yeah. or what kind of mess it was gonna make right we were scared yeah it was definitely and if you listen to those first few episodes you can tell that we're kind of like we're being direct about what happened but we're dancing around the who and you know the timeline like we're just we're being really careful we were really unsure of ourselves we were unsure of how to do this correctly Um, We were also nervous about the fallout. We didn't know. I mean, this had the potential to make it worse. We had the theory in our minds of, you know, strength in numbers. And the more people that know about it, the less likely it is that these people can just disappear me off the earth, you know, or or something worse. Right. I mean, that they can do continue to do these things, you know, come show up, assault me, whatever. Um, And people just don't know about it or don't care because it's done in secret. Like these things were allowed to go on in secret and we were going to break that. And, but there's fallout with that. It could have made it worse. Like well, we did Everybody know. understands that when like when a domestic violence victim is trying to leave her abuser, that is the most dangerous time. Right. And so we understood we were poking a bear. Right. We knew that. Right. We also knew we were potentially upsetting people other survivors who might Mm -hmm. be listening and we also knew that there were a lot of people who um, knew the people involved and would probably put together I don't think we understood completely how quickly people would put it together (laughs) but we knew that there would be folks who had to figure out how they were going to now live Mm -hmm. knowing this yeah we knew that the for the peripheral people it was going to be tough especially Especially after those first few episodes when we started to really kind of find our footing and, you know, press into the reality of how many people were involved and what it actually looked like. I think that's when it started to feel like there's going to be fallout here and and try and we're still dealing with that. We're still trying to manage the fallout from, you know, not wanting people who um, we don't we're not trying to hurt anybody, you know, right. We're trying to bring light to an issue. We're trying to be safe. Um, the intention was never never to be malicious. That's still not our intention. I think it's very obvious to um, anyone who listens, especially in the beginning. Honestly, I was just thinking about how when we really first started, we were pretty focused on the chapel because that was the the final straw. And so I remember now that we really were hoping that if we put this out there, that people like involved in the chapel would get it right yeah that's literally what we thought yeah (laughs) we were hoping that like fools that we were yeah um we had no no idea we like i mean we've joked about this before in other episodes of how like five people listened and we were like oh my god 
And like, honestly, it was either all Patrick's family or us. Like we listened to it five times. Like we just had no idea. I mean, I I literally remember when like our first episode hit like a hundred plays and it was like, what? Like what happened? Um, But right. The hope wasn't even we did not even begin to conceive of what it has become. All we really hoped for in the beginning was that it wouldn't make anything worse and that maybe some of the people involved in things at the chapel would realize that they needed to do something about it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And then it grew. And it grew. <laughs> and it grew and it grew and it grew. <laughs> Isn't that a book? What book is that? I feel like that? it is, right? Like it's, I don't know. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk Somebody over here. tell us what book that is. <laughs> yeah. Who's the giant at the top though? I'm, I'm trying to like go with this analogy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. A lot of giants. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's back up, I guess, and talk about the things that we've walked through with our audience, which is such a funny thing to say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Someone who actually is a professional in this in the media, you know, area said to us that this will become like second nature for us at some point. And we both just looked at each other and died laughing. Yeah, okay. Cause like, I don't know that that's going to happen ever. We're so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everybody knows that. Yeah. It's um, part of what they love about us. I think, I think it is too. It's endearing, you know? Um, <laughs> Even if we do say so ourselves. Right. <laughs> okay. Stop. Um, okay. But yeah, so some things that we've walked through, obviously, just telling my story, right? Bringing awareness to an issue that really, really needs a spotlight on it, that this is a really big problem that, you know, and and I think we've even found out how much bigger of a problem it was Mm -hmm. and that is even throughout this process. Like, I didn't know about Alicia and the support group. And I I mean, I, I knew that I wasn't alone because I knew some of the other victims that were involved in it, but I didn't realize even myself how big of an issue this actually is Mm -hmm. until we started doing this and people started coming out of the woodwork. Um, So yeah, bringing, bringing awareness was definitely a huge part of the, the launching pad too of like people need to know that this, that trafficking can look like this, that it's not always what you see on TV or what you see in movies or even what you see in a lot of the, you know, anti-trafficking organizations that are around us. Not that they're not doing good work, but this is very different and people need to know that. So I feel like as we went along, it solidified our determination to bring that information to the public. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. What started with just like a safety in numbers desperation turned into People need to know this. People need to have this information to do better and to do it. You know, I, I literally just posted something about, yeah, the the best messages that we receive are ones from people like teachers and professionals, mm-hmm. medical professionals, you know, people who have the power and ability to do better saying, I'm learning from you and I'm hearing what you're saying and now I'm committing to being a better teacher I'm committed to knowing what the signs are and actually opening my eyes to them those are the best messages that we receive by far because um we yeah I mean bringing awareness to an issue that is super under talked about and Mm -hmm. and and that the world is just now kind of coming up to speed on um is is it's pretty crazy (laughs) um but there's a price yeah there's a cost there's always a cost right um 
there's a cost to every single time we talk about my story. Um, or answer someone's question mm-hmm. or respond to new information. Yeah, it opens boxes for me um, that then when we're done with that, I have to figure out how to close. We talk a lot about the parts of self and there's, you know, the public facing part of me that is sitting here doing the podcast and that, you know, does all the different things that we do. But there's also then the private me that collapses at the end of this. Right. And and we've given our audience a glimpse into that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've shared some episodes in which that was just really raw Um but that's not like the that raw part is not only when things are really crazy. Things are always really crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's like an everyday kind of, you know, whiplash, really, of the public self, public facing me of, you know, bringing awareness and telling my story and feeling empowered. And then the private part where it's like now I have to figure out how to put that all back together and move forward in my day. And try to figure out how to put it all back together in a way that is healthier and more whole than before. Right. And that's been a huge chunk of the past year. There has been, I think, a ton of healing and growth that has happened as a result of all of this. But what a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this is not, it's such an unconventional type of healing, I Mm. think. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people do this work in the privacy of your office and it stays within these four walls and to be doing it on a public platform is um there's definitely some amazing aspects to it and that again it's it's like legitimately tangibly giving me a voice so like you can tell people all day long in your office that they have power and voice and that's important to know but literally we're tangibly doing that Mm -hmm. and so that is a healing piece that I think is um, has been incredible. Um, but there's also a cost, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's again, it's that whiplash. It's the highs and the lows that are just a lot. It, they're, I feel they're like intense. that is a really good description for the past year. There have been so many overwhelming points of affirmation and hope and empowerment, but there have also been some devastating blows. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we talked we talked about the whiplash. I mean, the when we say highs and lows, we mean high highs like Mount Everest high and depths of the ocean low, like literally in in one day, right? right? We can literally go from you know, really like hopeful we we get a piece of corroborating information or we put puzzle pieces together and there's so much healing that happens in that validation and in um being able to use my voice and and that high high like we are rocking this and one email or one comment or one situation can just literally push us off the mountain push me off the mountain I guess mm-hmm. you're a little bit more stable <laughs> regulated uh, um, very different experience for me than yeah it for you. but it it can really be that like in a 24-hour time period just unbelievable Um, And the amount of energy that has been expended this year to regulate that has definitely, it's Mm. a lot. I feel like we're getting better at it. I think so. I feel like, you know, again, I was just talking about this, that I used to feel like uh, there could be like a hundred really positive, you know, whatever, messages, comments, whatever. 
and one would be like tearing me apart and I would zero in on that one and drop so low and be like I can't believe you know I have to fix that I have to defend Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. against every single one of those one comments and now it's very much feeling of I, I can't fight every battle I'm not going to be able to and we have grown to the place where there are other listeners who are fighting those battles for us yeah, so which, thank you thank you for that right because, right exactly so it's both it's the whole I don't I can't and I don't need to right worry about that because I think you used to feel like yes. one comment is all it's going to take to derail the whole thing but that's also progress right I mean that's mm-hmm. been the story in my head forever of like it only takes one thing and then all of the help that I think I'm going to get and all of the hope that is I thought was standing in front of me is shattered, right? It takes one thing. It takes one youth pastor. It takes one teacher. It takes one person of saying, "Mm, I don't believe you or "Mm, you're dramatic or "Mm, whatever. And poof, it's all gone. The whole thing is gone. And I'm stuck right back where I started. Only worse. Only worse. So, I mean, it took months of, of feeling like that's going to be the end. That's going to be where everybody decides this is just, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I'm not, I mean, trust me, those comments still enrage me and especially but even that is different Yeah, because it used to be that they would crush you yes. and make you feel small and silent. Yes. Well, guess what folks? That ship has sailed. Yes. How many times have we unpublished an episode because I panicked mm-hmm. because I panicked and thought I can't do this. I can't, uh, we can't put this out there. I, I can't say that. I can't you know, mm-hmm. tell that part. I can't, it's too much. It's too gross. It's too much. Nobody's going to believe it. And then we work through it and we republish. And it's been a while since we've had to do that, you know? Um, but it, it's been a process for sure. So a healing one for sure. Definitely. Um, but I feel like the other thing is most often people, if they're going to have a public platform, they do most of their healing work first <laughs> and then they do the public thing. Right. But because of the risks, the danger that you were in, that was not the path. Right. So, yeah, talk about an unconventional process, but right. also very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I guess, the part of, you know, telling my story. Other things that we've kind of walked through with our audience is the chapel, right? We were very much talking about how they should have done it better, how they did it wrong, what they could do to do it better. Um, their response was lukewarm. It was unacceptable. Um, the threats we've been able to, those are, again, those are things that happened in secret for decades of my life. I mean, those threats that we've posted, they're nothing new. That's not, uh, that those are not new to me. That's been happening forever. Um, the way that they go about it changes depending on my life and my circumstances. But um, those words are intended to trigger me because they're words that have been said to me for my entire life. Um, so you know, being able to share that with the world at large is a sickening and also empowering. It's that same dichotomy of I can't believe that we're putting this out there because I know what it triggers for me. I know what those words mean. I I feel all kinds of I loved Emily's word of slimy the other, mm-hmm. you know, that episode. That's how it feels. It feels icky. Right. Um. But at the same time, having people then be like, are you effing kidding me that people are actually writing this to you? And um, just that empowering feeling of it's I don't need to carry that shame. Right. I still do. <laughs> like, that's, Let's be fully <laughs> transparent here. There is still that for sure. 
But it used to be a tsunami of shame that mm-hmm. came at you, and now it's a wave. Yes. Yep, for sure. So it's not a puddle. Yeah. But. Yeah. So the threats. Um, also, Grace. We went through that whole process. Oh. That was a lot to take in, but we did it, and we, we're still doing it. Stay tuned for, um, for kind of, we want to just kind of put out there, I guess, our conclusion. <laughs> Yes. Um, of what's going on with that, what's happening with that. Um, we'll probably have a section on our website, I think, of of kind of what that's going to, you know. What that was about. Yeah, what that was about, I guess. Um, and then right along with that goes, you know, Cornerstone. We've, we've talked a lot about Cornerstone Church on Grand Island and um, the role that they played in, you know, fac- facilitating really the abuse itself and being a space in which the abusers used I guess facilitating isn't the right word but in being a space in which the abusers used and sort of the leadership turning a blind eye to the reality that that was happening many of the abusers themselves being in leadership at that church um, both past tense and also present tense um, or people related to leadership Um, so we walked through that whole disaster we are again still kind of walking through it we we have you know some things that we maybe want to say about that but that's a future (laughs) a future thing um we've also had survivors now come forward and tell their story right like I said in the beginning I didn't know even about the enormity of this and so having people like Alicia, like Emily, and like many, many others come to us and say, I've never told anybody this, but this is what happened to me. Um, And that has triggered both, again, the dichotomy of overwhelming sadness that there are other people who've had to carry this. But again, also, oh my gosh, maybe it wasn't me. Yeah, it's right. It's both breaking my heart and heavy and also affirming and also what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I'm not the type of person, you're not the type of person to just be okay with, uh, you know, the amount of people also have come to us with religious trauma who have said I I was hurt in this way in a church or by a church. I'm that doesn't sit well with me. It's not okay to just let that go. Um, and so figuring out, I guess, what's the good that comes out of this. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. So we're figuring that out. <laughs> we are. I think we are. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said before, having people opening their eyes, recognizing that this is all true, that they're putting pieces together. Having people come to me from my past, friends of mine like Emily or others or adults who were in my world at that time and saying, oh, man, like I I should have seen it. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Um, or adults who know my parents who were in relationship with them for lots and lots of years saying this makes sense and I'm I, I'm I believe you is not something I thought would be at all in the realm of possibility um yeah I think that's a huge thing that you know what were you supposed to think back in the day when all of this was going on and there were indicators that people could have seen but they didn't say or do anything about it you were left to only think well they must either not care or they agree that I'm just sensitive and dramatic and whatever or they think I'm lying or Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter right and then to find out that's not true right well and to also see the power of my parents narrative Mm -hmm. right to hear these adults say yeah I did hear that public narrative and I I 
believed it because my my parents are convincing people, right? They're very convincing people. We've said this a million times. They set themselves up in a situation in which why would they question it? I mean, even even the way that the church is set up, right? People have come to us and said, I noticed these creepy things. And then I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't be thinking those things Mm -hmm. because this person is a church person. This person leads Bible studies. This person works at a Christian school. Right. And so that whole manipulative narrative of we don't question church people. They're good people. They go to church every Sunday. They raise their hands and worship God. And so we don't question them. I think I've also really, really, it has hit me the power of the misuse of the Bible verses about not gossiping because that was used to keep the conversation from happening. We have seen so much good that has come out of openly talking about things. What if people were felt safe to say, I'm concerned about this thing. I need to talk about it Mm -hmm. because people would have started putting pieces together. Right. Right. But that didn't happen because we don't we don't talk about these things. We don't question authority. We don't want to gossip. Well, you know, that's bad. Yeah. This is like not in our notes. So (laughs) like my quit this. (laughs) Um, But I was actually having that thought on the way here, actually, about how some falling outs that happened between my mother and some of the women, which, again, we are like our I think probably our next episode is going to be that about the women, about my mother, but um, some of the big falling out that she had with some of the women who weren't directly involved, but who were, you know, peripheral or didn't know, was about that, about her saying that they were gossips, that they were always gossiping about everybody. And I, I like, distinctly remember uh, that being a really big problem for her. Like, she was so... Um, against it and we don't do that even though constantly she talks about and has talked about people all the time I mean even people that she considered close close to her even people she was counseling oh yes literally telling me all the things about all the people she was counseling Um, so yeah I mean like so it's just again the dichotomy of her being so adamant about well that that woman you know she's a gossip and so I can't be friends with her anymore probably what they were gossiping about quote gossiping is these things and it was dangerous for her it was a very um like no that's not acceptable because we have to keep a secret well even the fact that there were some there were times that we've heard about where someone went to your mother to say hey i'm worried about kate you know i'm seeing this thing these things and your mom cut this person off right but they wouldn't go and now talk about that Right. That person would not now follow up. Right. So it's problematic on both ends. Right. So but I wouldn't gossip about it. <laughs> that I got as a child was that person is a gossip and that's wrong. And so that's why we're not friends anymore. So right. like just thinking through like that, like very small piece of information, but being like that, that tracks, you know, like that, that's a piece that it doesn't really matter, but it just is like, yeah, that so makes sense. to clarify, gossip is quote unquote, needless chatter <laughs> that is meant to undermine someone. Right. Talking about true concerns in a way that is seeking to improve something, that is not gossip. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not needless chatter. It sure isn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that it's it's been a heck of a year. Um, so let's talk about our numbers. Yeah. We're really thankful, too. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. So at this point, we so this will be our 51st episode, so 50 episodes in a year. Um, we've been listened to in 64 countries across the world. 
We're not trying to like toot our own horns it's or anything. We actually are like also blown away. We just want people to be able to celebrate with us. Yeah. Like, like we're excited that like, I mean, we get messages from all over the world. Like, mm-hmm. hey, sending love from Ireland, sending love from Australia. Like what? Mm-hmm. Like South, um, South Africa. South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, thank you. Uh, and also like I, I actually respond to those way too excited like I was like oh my gosh hi thank you (laughs) because I'm every time still very blown away um that anybody even wants to listen to us (laughs) this message is getting out there it is people are are on some level hungry to understand how they can help people in their community better absolutely It's it's huge yeah um overall we've had 700,000 downloads um which is yeah what do you even say to that I don't know it's really it's pretty crazy and now like I feel like part of the mission of the next year is to figure out how to help people do something with this information yeah have a call to action right Mm -hmm. have something that um you know where we have things kind of in the works for what's next um of moving forward some really crazy but also exciting <laughs> things mm-hmm. that are on our horizon of kind of taking this next level um but yeah I think that 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 is probably what the next year looks like is okay what are we going to do about this you know continuing to share continuing to talk about the everyday you know idiosyncrasies and, and more of the maybe details of my story of other victim stories you know who are willing to come forward also providing a platform for that right mm-hmm. of giving people the same power and voice that I now have um, has been huge. And that's, I think, hopefully what we'll find in the next year. Um, but also pressing into holding these people accountable, holding churches accountable um, and bringing more awareness, having more teachers know about it, having more healthcare professionals. Yeah, exactly. Having, you know, people who have or who are in a role to impact something like this or d- make something change in this way aware mm-hmm. um so if you would like us to come and speak at your <laughs> event or at your <laughs> school let us know um but yeah i guess ending with just thank you right for you. an amazing year um thank you to the people who support us thank you to the people who have financially supported mm-hmm. um our safety measures and who have financially supported our <laughs> legal needs and um all of the things that you know that are to come too of the you know that going towards what's to come I guess mm-hmm. um and just for the people who are just genuinely out there just fighting those battles for us and who are who are saying heck no this is not going to be allowed to go on in my community and I'm going to do something about that what can I do I mean the amount of messages that we get mm-hmm. that say what can I do right here's my skill set tell me how I can plug it yeah, in yeah and please don't stop sending us that stuff no. so even if we don't like necessarily grab a hold of it we're we're keeping track of it yeah and we're grateful so grateful for it yeah and honestly just for the people who are sending us things that say I'm still here I'm still listening yeah. I'm still supporting I'm uh, you know I'm still sharing I'm still sharing the podcast with everybody that I know everybody that I talk to I share the podcast with that is honestly people ask me all the time how can I help that is the one thing Mm -hmm. that I always will send back to you is keep sharing it right keep sharing it on your social media sharing it with the your doctor sharing it with your neighbor Mm -hmm. 
um, telling people about it because again, creating the awareness is, is huge. We have to do it better for the people to come after us. We just have to. So one of the things that I have said to Kate many times is like, there are so many things about her experience that I wish I could fix, but I can't, but I can show up. And I feel like that's what the people listening to us are doing. You're showing up and that is hugely powerful. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Happy anniversary. (laughs) If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.